I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Y'all better grab your extra large popcorn. We are in the thick of things with great films. I am open and positive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Let's throw okay. on these boxer gloves. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive on a new release that's just hit theaters or streaming. We are so excited to welcome you to season seven of Talk Movie to Me. Guys, can you fucking Woo-hoo! believe that? Season seven? I can't I believe we've been doing this for seven years. <laughs> I can't. More and we're than still that. friends. I <laughs> yeah, can't believe wow. it. We're all still friends. <laughs> <laughs> I know, honestly, and we are so thankful that you've been tuning in to listen to us for all 182 episodes and counting. Truly, this is such a love for us to record this podcast for you, but it's also a lot of work. So for season seven, we are embracing the edit and pairing Talk Movie (laughs) to Me down just a little to make it a bit more manageable for us, sure, but also to provide you with a more concise, digestible episode length. So this season, each episode, we're going to focus on one major new release film. And sure, there may still be some special format episodes or double features along the way. Also new this season, you can listen to the episodes on our newly launched YouTube channel as well. And we'll post the link in the notes of this episode. We are so looking forward to discussing great films together, and there are a ton coming up this season. So let's get right to it. Helen, take it away. Priscilla Beaulieu Presley was married to Elvis from 1967 to 1973, and together they had one child, Lisa Marie. The couple married when Priscilla was 21, though they met when she was only 14 and he was 24. Sofia Coppola's latest feature starts here, with ninth grader Priscilla, played by Kaylee Spaney, being sought after by the king himself, Elvis, played by Jacob Elordi. The script, also written by Coppola, is based on Priscilla's memoir, Elvis and Me, from 1985, and contrary to Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, Priscilla shows the king of rock and roll in a different light. Priscilla asks the question, If you're married to the king, does that make you queen? Or are you just another one of his subjects? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. It's a pretty good question, right? (laughs) It is. (laughs) First impressions, Edison. Okay, so this film opens up with a series of these extreme close-ups, just sort of giving us snapshots of the world in which the story's set. There's these painted toenails walking across a very plush shag carpet that I was like I just want to snuggle up into that (laughs) there's a white grand piano some lipstick being applied a wingtip of eyeliner it's very 60s and very intimate and sensual Uh, that's not surprising really because we're familiar with Sofia Coppola's work and that works as a descriptor for a lot of her stuff but all these close-ups I can't help but think about it it's such an intentional choice and even right at the very beginning of this movie I'm trying to think about what she's trying to convey or say here like we know the movie is about Priscilla and Elvis these are two of the most famous showbiz people like ever in popular culture in America and so these little snapshots it's like is she trying to say at the beginning like we'll never be able to tell a whole part of their story only little pieces only little snapshots who knows right but mm-hmm. it, either way it made me think right off the bat and I thought that's a super welcome way to start a film I was really invested right from the get-go how about you Sinclair well my first impression of this movie is really my experience in the theater which I was texting you two about I went to see this uh, one evening this week and the theater was full it was packed with really young attractive looking people (laughs) i was sitting there and i thought am i too old to 
be seeing a Sofia Coppola movie, a director <laughs> who I grew up watching, who introduced me to the wonders of Josh Hartnett. I, I did worry a little bit. I'm like, is this movie going to speak to me or is Sofia Coppola really trying to reach that the younger generation with this movie? But it could have <laughs> just been me feeling old. That's interesting. Did you have your chili? Because that might have explained it. I didn't have my Tim Hortons chili. But normally I do go to a matinee where I'm with the elderly, where I'm with my people. Mm. No, I will say I I went to a matinee and it also skewed young. Well, mine didn't. I was at a matinee today and it was like a theater eight crowd. Wow. Yes, it was an elderly crowd. It was an elderly crowd. And I did bring in a a salad from Freshie. But then we're not even that old, but we aren't that young. <laughs> but we're but not young anymore. Like, we're not like the young people. Yeah, no. yeah. Like, I, every single day, something happens where I'm like, I'm just not cool and I don't know what's cool anymore. Yeah, but that apparently time Sofia Coppola is cool. It, yeah. You know, or. <laughs> yeah. What did well, you think, Helen? So. My yeah, my theater there was an older older crowd. It was the Tuesday matinee, so the cheap day to go to the theater. But it actually was pretty full, which I was surprised by because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about you know the hype of this movie. I'm like, are people seeing this movie? You know, theaters just have been less full since COVID. It like it's just been so different. So it was nice to see a lot of people in the theater today. Mine wasn't full, but there was a fair amount of people there. The first image that I think of of the start of the movie is the painted toenails on the shag carpet and how just the style is so prominent from the very beginning and I felt very like um enveloped by the style right off the bat and I was really excited by that because it it did it felt sort of just like warm and like plush and pink and I was like oh okay I can live here this is nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was very romantic Mm -hmm. yeah so do we want to get right into the storytelling yeah Mm -hmm. yeah let's do it so I loved in, in the intro, Helen, that you mentioned about, like you drew a direct comparison with Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, because mm-hmm. how can you not, mm-hmm. right? And I know we're not, I mean, this I've is not an invitation, Sinclair. Yeah, I'm not, for no, you to... and I'm not saying anything. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that film was like huge last year, right? And Austin Butler was everywhere as Elvis and all the rest of it. But it was really fascinating. Like I, I will say, I, we all know... Elvis Presley. He's he is one of the most famous pop culture icons ever. But I left that film being like I don't know really anything about Elvis. Mm. And I've never I've never really like known Elvis. I don't mm-hmm. know that I've seen interviews with Elvis or I've never read any books about him or anything. So I don't really know that much about him. These films could not have been more diametrically opposed in how they presented him. <laughs> that was Elvis the victim. This was Elvis the predator and like Priscilla yeah. Stockholm syndrome. And <laughs> oh god. Wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think for the first little bit of the movie, something that really captured me was the portrayal of that sort of first love and mm-hmm. young love, especially as a as a girl. And, you know, it's one thing to be like 14, 15 and you fall in love for the first time. And it's like an older guy and like you're, he's so cool and you're like, he likes me. But imagine that's El- fucking Elvis Presley. Like, how how does one even comprehend that? Yeah. And I thought that Sofia Coppola did a really beautiful job of actually, like, 
making you feel how that feels and like you can't sleep and you can't focus in school and you're not hungry and like you know like I really felt that like oh this is all encompassing like this is just taking over your life and now the only thing that matters in your life is this person Mm -hmm. Um, I I felt the exact same way like I, I was just like Imagine just being in high school and literally one of the most famous people on earth, yeah. <laughs> who's also one of the most famously sexy people on earth, is like into you. I, it would be so truly bizarre. Mm-hmm. So truly, deeply bizarre. Also, she mm-hmm. was 14. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that from seeing that from her perspective, the how you would mm-hmm. be excited about that. But, you know, as an audience member, you're watching it and... It doesn't hide the fact that she's essentially scouted. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elvis she's isn't groomed. There. Yeah, she's. But she. It was like having mm-hmm. a scout. Go oh, out, for sure, for sure. Yeah, find somebody that looked like her that appeals to him and what mm-hmm. you know he wants, and bringing her back mm-hmm. to his place. Like she was essentially scouted. A hundred percent. I did like how she just let us kind of see that for what it was and Mm -hmm. and that's what it was but I did like seeing it from Priscilla's perspective it helps you understand how you would be sucked into that Mm -hmm. as well and even like her parents too like they're wrestling with the fact like do we let our daughter hang out with Elvis Presley and Mm -hmm. in my mind I'm like oh my god she's 14 and he's 24 like what are you doing but I also can understand the like well Elvis Presley wants to hang out with our daughter. Like, I can kind of understand that, like, this is sort of, like, an incredible opportunity. And you also think, okay, Elvis isn't going to do anything. Like, he's not going to risk his career by doing something, you know, inappropriate or untoward or whatever. I think parents were just less aware at the time. It was the same thing with serial killers, how people would hitchhike and just get into cars. I think it was, you know, when saying it's a different time isn't an excuse and it doesn't make it right or anything, but these things just did they just happened yeah. I don't know parents <laughs> let their younger kids hang out with Michael Jackson too well I the think same that it's, thing right it's like, the fame thing it's like yeah. people mm-hmm. just get blinded or or somehow tricked by fame especially when it's like extreme fame. Yeah. you know Elvis isn't like some C-list actor he's fucking Elvis Presley yeah right? mm-hmm. and I mean we all have the unfortunate quality of us applying morals to celebrities Mm -hmm. for some strange reason. Yeah. (laughs) You know. I I will say I found this film to be deeply unsettling. It started at the beginning and Mm. and it didn't let up. Honestly, at the end of the movie, I said to my friend Shawnee, who I went to see it with, you know, I've been uncomfortable this entire movie. Mm -hmm. There's always this sort of air of dread or anxiety or anger discomfort or something it never lets up i found it to be like asking a lot of the audience Mm -hmm. and it's not a joy to sit through this movie and that's not necessarily a complaint i appreciate that as a creative choice and i think that's obviously sophia's intention with the film at least how i saw it to create that affecting atmosphere where you feel smothered by it where you feel like priscilla's perspective right and it succeeded in that but it was i'm trying to think of the last time i watched a movie where i it just didn't let up i was just like uh, through the whole thing. It's because if you've ever been manipulated and you watch someone young being manipulated, you feel for her because you know that this is going to be a life lesson. Her arc as a character in the film and as a human being 
isn't that satisfying? Like that was something where I walked away and like, yes, she divorces him, but I didn't feel necessarily like, oh, she becomes so independent after this or she like is free from this person. Like it doesn't feel that way. And I don't necessarily think that that's how Priscilla felt like I read something about you know her and Elvis leaving the courtroom after they divorced holding hands and like they were still friends you know Mm -hmm. so I think that that is part of the feeling of being unsettled is that you're like it's not this is not a black and white movie like it Mm -mm. it doesn't make you feel like he is like very blatantly like the villain or and she's the protagonist or anything like that like it's it lives more in the gray Mm -hmm. and I, I am still kind of wrestling with how I feel about that. I'm like, do I, would I have liked this movie to take like a, a stronger perspective on that? Or is it nice that it's a little bit more like nuanced and that we can kind of like take it however we want to take it? Well, I think it's real, you know, like yeah. she said herself in a, in an interview that I read, you know, I did not divorce him because I didn't love him. He was the love of my life, but mm-hmm, I had to find mm-hmm. out about the world. And mm-hmm. after he died, she said, I want it to die. She wrote mm-hmm. that in her memoir. She And she has always spoken fondly of him and continues to to this day. And it mm-hmm. was a, a primary concern of hers that he not come across too bad in this film mm-hmm. when they were making it, which is interesting because you watch it, though, and you're like, and you're right, Sinclair. It's like we're we're applying our own morals and our own hindsight and our own experiences to it from an out, outside lens. But you're like, I think, I don't know. I'm watching the whole, the whole film. And the one part that was missing for me was an understanding more like beyond just her being manipulated mm-hmm. as to why she was still with this person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't get his, I didn't get the love. Mm-hmm. I just saw him as a manipulator and I saw her as mm-hmm. someone who was like being trapped. manipulated trapped and trapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get the, the like love that, that she talks about as being very present there too. Really. Mm-hmm. I, I had the same thought that like, it would be nice to see some more love and like the the growth of that within their relationship one of the other parts of her life as a free person she talks all the time too about like she had a bunch of girlfriends and she would go out for a dinner and go out and Mm -hmm. do stuff in the town and she had her classes and like she had other elements of her life and there's little glimpses of it in the film i think it's hard to watch this movie and especially from a lens of 2023 and just not feel like oh my god you were groomed and this guy was a pedophile and like did he rape her I felt like that that particular scene where we see that she you know the first time she sleeps in his bed and then she's asleep for two days you can't watch that and not think like did he rape her well, and he was feeding her drugs. Yeah, like too. you can't not at least think that when you see mm-hmm. that scene. It's not that's not definitive at all, but it's just like there's so much ick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- it just movie. goes back to her being 14 at the beginning. Like you can't not see it. Yeah. Okay, so I was wondering watching this if and I love Sofia Coppola, but if she's if she has some sort of like arrested development with storytelling, yeah. <laughs> most of her films focus on a young girl, right? And f- this young girl finding her identity in the shadow of a very successful man or an older man, and she does that really, really well. I think Lost mm-hmm. in Translation is an amazing. Mm-hmm film Um, but a a lot of her films focus on a young girl being lost and I think Priscilla is it's I think it's a good movie and there were 
elements of her coming of age that are really relatable considering she's with Elvis. They, she managed to kind of dial them down into relatable moments, which I thought was really good. But I do wonder if Sofia Coppola, because she's over 50 now, if she's going to move into telling stories of more like fully realized women at later stages in their lives mm-hmm. or if she's going to keep doing this story right over I and think over that that's, I think that that's very common with a lot of artists mm-hmm. I think especially artists who've experienced something very profoundly you know trained that I think that there's something definitely kind of autobiographical in, in all of this mm-hmm. but think about yeah like what was her life growing up with Francis Ford Coppola as a father? And like, mm-hmm. was she traveling all around the world? Was she isolated mm-hmm. a lot of the time and, and mm-hmm. all of this? And I think a lot of the time artists continue to mine the, their yeah. sort of foundational yeah. emotional arcs for their art, for their but, stories. And she does this really, really well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it just had me wondering mm-hmm. for her next film and her next film, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and kind of to that point, I think something that left me feeling unsatisfied with this movie is that we don't see Priscilla past the relationship at all. Yeah, and she and like, becomes more of a celebrity in herself and a businesswoman, yeah. and she does all these things, philanthropy, she does all these things after Elvis, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. And I just wonder if we'll ever get those stories, you know? Right, and it's it is, it's hard to see a you know young woman in turmoil like that and then not get a, at least a little bit of a payoff of like and then she becomes her own person and you know, how she <laughs> yeah, succeeds yeah. in that way right yeah. like I I get that this was telling just one specific part of her life but it did leave me feeling like okay <laughs> then what <laughs> what <laughs> you know? now yeah yeah. Well, cue Dolly I, Parton. I will always love you. Close the yeah. gates. It's done. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good question to ask yourself, like storytelling wise, what do we walk away with mm-hmm. from this? Because I enjoyed watching it, but you know, story wise, I honestly haven't thought about it since. <laughs> really, yeah. I just thought about it today because we were going to talk about it. But it's not a movie that stays with you. Really, it lingers. Why don't we get into performances? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do we want to start with Kaylee Spaney as Priscilla? Sure, yeah. There is just a very like raw and like available vulnerability in her performance that I found just super engaging and I was like happy to just watch her facial expressions, you know? Like yeah. it was I she has like a very I think raw talent about her that I really liked and I I had not even heard of her before this, so mm-hmm. I I thought that she, I thought she was great. I did too. I I mean, she anchors the film. Obviously, yeah. Priscilla is the center of the story. She's our guide. It's her name in the film's title. So I, I thought that Kaylee, especially for being somebody who, yeah, we're not that familiar with, mm-hmm. she really handled that masterfully. I thought that there was a real, like, natural subtlety in her performance, in her mannerisms, the way that she carried herself. It did change. Even though you're right, we didn't get, like, the full arc of Priscilla, the character. But there was a pretty marked change between her as 14 mm-hmm. years old and her at the end yeah and it never for a moment feels forced it was just so kind of finely tuned mm-hmm. i really like that she's warm and she has that that like enigmatic quality that obviously sophia is drawn to in mm-hmm. performers like yeah. nicole kidman or mm-hmm. 
Kirsten Dunst, etc. It's just yeah. something kind of mysterious. I will say the difference in size between her and J- Jacob yeah, Alordi was comedy. You wrote that in the text. You were like, he's, he's a giant. He's so tall. He's so he's tall. He's 6'5", and she's like five foot. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, it definitely... I mean, it's so it was, noticeable. It's so <laughs> noticeable. It's a choice. It certainly adds to her and looking like a tiny doll and him like 14. a giant. <laughs> totally. Totally. The power dynamic of it all, the I age know. difference. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. like, it was really funny. Yeah. She reminded me so much of Shailene Woodley. I just Same. Kept she looks like her. Seeing Shailene yeah. Woodley. Um, but she has been in things that I've seen. Like she was in Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I guess I've seen her and stuff. I've just never. Never has, has made an impression name, on me. I know? guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Really, really great. And there, I think it, it could be easy too to like fall into a bit of a trap of like an annoying young naive girl and there's yeah. no part of her that feels like that no. like I get it I get why she feels the way she feels you're not like oh you're so stupid and so young you know you're just like yep yeah you have to have a I naive but also wise beyond your years right. as he said your daughter is very uh wise Mature beyond her years yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah sir and as far as Jacob Alordi, you know, I thought he did a good, as good as he could do with Elvis. I, I feel like, as you said earlier, like this wasn't really a look at Elvis's inner world. We got basically like Elvis, two two iterations of Elvis. Elvis with a bit of charm and then Elvis as a manipulative sort of violent asshole. Mm-hmm. And so once again, just like kind of my complaint about the Elvis biopic, which is more egregious in the film that's titled after him, mm-hmm. I, I still don't know kind of who Elvis is after mm. this film. I have an entirely different perspective on who that person might be. Right. But I will say that Jacob Elordi does have a ton of charisma. Mm-hmm. He holds a screen. He's gorgeous. And he really looks like Elvis too. Yeah. And his voice was great. Yeah. I thought he was really good. And I was a huge fan of Austin Butler in, in the Baz Luhrmann Elvis. But like, I was like, maybe I, I might actually like Jacob Elordi better. Yeah, I don't even think that it's worth even comparing the two because what's being asked of them is yeah. so vastly totally. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jacob Elordi, I think that Sofia Coppola did a really good job of just creating and shooting an idol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't even matter if he was Elvis or not, you know? Mm-hmm. It just had to be a charming, kind of mysterious, intoxicating... Mm-hmm. Narcissistic. N- narcissistic man you know mm-hmm. that's yeah. really all that needed to be there and thank god because not for one second could i picture jacob alordi actually doing any sort of like elvis movements yeah, <laughs> so I, just, I was like there's yeah. no way he's gonna be like one for the money two for the-. there's just no way yeah. there's no way and with Austin Butler, you know, that was a full physical performance. Yeah. What was being asked Very of them was yeah. just completely different. And yeah. I'm just thankful that they actually didn't try to yeah, yeah, incorporate yeah, totally. that into Jacob Elordi's mm-hmm. performance. It would have just, I just don't think it would have worked. Jacob Elordi did say that he ate just like pounds of bacon for really? this role. <laughs> and that he's just lucky that he's tall and slim because it just kind of <laughs> spread out. <laughs> over his body but see that is such a like gen z tiktok thing to say i swear to god yeah that's such a you know with his 90s like pseudo mullet like he's so in his baggy 90s pants it's like dude you look like the gorgeous guys from like 
1993. I'm telling you, the guys in the movie theater had his haircut, like his Uh, current, mm -hmm. like punky, mullety haircut, and his earring. They were all emulating Jacob Elordi in that theater. It is a little concerning, though, because he's most well known for Euphoria, and he's like a monster in that show. Yeah. He's amazing as an actor, but that character is like a pretty disgusting monster. And yeah. Like, but you can see no. how his role in that would, he would be able to bring some of that into this like dark side of Elvis. It kind of works. I thought it was great casting. I actually like, when I first read about it, I thought like, oh, the guy from Euphoria, really? And then the second I saw him in this and he started talking, I was like, oh, he sounds great. He actually really looks like Elvis. And then that sort of menacing, like controlling, manipulative thing that he does in Euphoria and does yeah. in this. So it really, it, I mean, it worked. As long the as there was no performing as Elvis, like even there <laughs> even was the moment where he was on the piano doing that. And I was like, no, oh, that's yeah. taking me out. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. Okay. So why don't we jump into technical because that was something that I think really stood mm-hmm. out for me in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. We had the the Elvis biopic last year, Baz Luhrmann, a very stylistic director. Mm. <laughs> Sofia Coppola, also a very stylistic <laughs> yeah. director. Um, totally different, though. Yeah. But I thought this film succeeded really, really well on this. And certainly in yeah. all of the creative, like the art department type mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, totally. That was my favorite part of this movie was the style. Yeah. Like I could have just taken a bath in the style of this movie. Like it was so 100%. chewy. Like I just wanted to eat it. Like I <laughs> It was literally sens- sensual. Like it yeah. was you could smell it and feel it. It yeah. was incredible. Yeah. 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 Her aesthetic is one of the best parts of watching her movies. Mhm. I'll, I'll I'll be honest. And yeah. It's so just dreamy and introspective and it's mm-hmm. feminine and it's, you know, hazy gorgeous and, and hazy and it's mm-hmm. its own filter. It's mm-hmm. beautiful and you get sucked into it. One thing I found really interesting technically is that there's no Elvis music. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, but the soundtrack was the rights fucking amazing. Yeah, she couldn't get the rights to it, but it yeah. works. No, I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice till I read that after. I was like, oh, there wasn't any Elvis music, but the music she used was perfect. Yes, it's it was for the better because it just allowed for her style to be more front and center. And her the music choices for her films are really part of the Sofia Coppola experience. Like I did a Mm -hmm. four and a half hour drive today and I put on um, there's on Spotify Sofia Coppola core. And oh, then there's amazing. also just Sofia Coppola soundtrack playlists. And it's perfect for driving because it is very mm. dreamy and introspective. And mm. uh, and it's like perfect for fall. So I had a real Sofia Coppola <laughs> drive today. For I absolutely hours. love that. I will be downloading that playlist immediately. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I have been listening to the Priscilla soundtrack yeah. nonstop since I've watch this film it's perfect all those songs like it's just so it was absolutely a highlight of the movie for me for Mm -hmm. sure yeah the setting was interesting too because you would think it would be a lot more extravagant Mm. but the house she was in in Graceland it honestly did feel a bit claustrophobic and too like showroom and Mm -hmm. except for his bedroom (laughs) 
Yeah. It's like Sex Panther bedroom where yeah. no sex was happening. <laughs> I know. I did laugh because Kaylee Spaney, she gets to do this movie with Jacob Alordi. Yeah. And it's like the one role where he's a prude. <laughs> you know? I know. She's I probably like, actually, ah, damn it. <laughs> you know? There was a part of me that was like, I do want to see them get it on. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know. But he's like, Elvis we don't was in ever his see prude it. stage. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, and Kaylee. we didn't even see like that's that was also a choice, like yeah. mm-hmm. because the, sure. I know that he was holding back. You know that was part of the manipulation or yeah. just part of their whole thing. Yeah, but like they, I mean, Lisa Marie exists. They had sex yeah. clearly. Mm-hmm. So, he had a like, weird thing about having sex with mothers. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't. That's right. Yeah, he just he he really? couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was kind of like really weird about virginity, and he wouldn't. Yeah. Once a woman had a child and she was a mother, it was like. Oh, done. It was done wow, sexually. You really needed yeah. to go to therapy. Um, <laughs> Deeply. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the style, the art, the set deck, the costuming and the oh hair God, and the makeup design. too, because yes. that is really what, you know, her performance is great, but that really does help her age because she truly does look 14 at the beginning of this yes. movie. Yes. And then she needs to look like a 27 year old or however old she is by the end. Like, and she looks very different when she's in her L.A. Mm-hmm. phase in the 70s. Yeah, very she's got 70s, that yeah. middle part and she's tanned. I was like, she actually looks like a different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, I, co- the costume design and hair and makeup really did tell that story of the progression. Yeah, yeah. For and, sure. and being able to capture those photographs, too, yeah. those very yeah. iconic Elvis and Priscilla photographs is mm-hmm. really, really incredible. Yeah. Um, and shout out to Toronto because it was all filmed here. Wild. Woo-woo. Yeah, yeah. What is the last word on Priscilla, Helen? I liked this movie. Um, It did leave me feeling like I would like more satisfaction just in terms of like the liberation of Priscilla (laughs) and seeing her as a fully formed independent woman. But the style is really what hooked me into this movie and what I would recommend people to see it for because I think that the style of this film is just so captivating Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I mean, it's a fun movie to start off season seven. Mm. Yeah. Sinclair? Yeah, I think this is a a good movie. I don't think this is on the level of Lost in Translation, you know, not to compare it to that, but I do think Lost in Translation is her great work. Mm -hmm. But this is a good movie. It is really intoxicating to watch Mm -hmm. while you're there watching it you might not be left with a lot when you leave and I I do look forward to seeing what else she does in her career after this one I am curious about what story she's going to tell for her next film Hmm. yeah for me I mean I thought this was a really well-made film as we've said it's gorgeous to look at the performances I thought were great as well. The The way that the movie just puts you in this place of feeling unsettled and a bit anxious for the entire time, that was very effective and I respect that. But I do feel like there was something lacking, something missing. There was almost like this tunnel vision focus on Priscilla's like isolation. Mm-hmm. And those lighter moments, if we maybe get a sense of the joy or love that she felt in her life as well, m- would have made the more traumatic moments in her life more like complex or something for me rather than me just spending this whole film being like you in danger girl run like Mm -hmm. what are you doing you better run yeah (laughs) 
That being said, I am definitely glad I saw it for Kaylee Spaney's performance and for that just sumptuous, beautiful way the film looks. I do think that we're going to see this at the Oscars for like yeah. the art department type things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But great way to start season seven. Yeah, yeah we're back. We're, we're back. back. Baby. Baby. <laughs> Well, this has been our first episode of season seven of Talk Movie to Me. If you would like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. I'm Edison. Are you? Are you Edison? <laughs> Are you still Edison? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. <laughs>